Awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, no problem. So, um, well, anyhow, uh, you, you work at Silver Spurs, right? Yeah. So I honestly probably do a little bit of everything <laughs> everywhere. Well, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, um, cause I know I've worked with you on a few different projects for other things besides just Silver Spurs too, you know, so, uh, Matt, my husband trains, so I think we've had you guys do some stuff for us too. And, um, I'm president of the Oklahoma Reigning Horse Association and I run that show in March. So, um, kind of a little, a little all over the place, but <laughs> feels like a lot all over the place sometimes. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I know you do a lot, but I was just thinking yeah. your main. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Silver Spurs. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm a co-manager of the Oklahoma Ranch. Um, oh. I run all the day-to-day stuff for Silver Spurs here in Oklahoma. And then um, my they co-manager, yes, yeah, so we also have a ranch in Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, I have a co-manager that runs more like the breeding side of it here, Blair Bailey. She runs, you know, she manages the studs and, you know, handles all of the the breeding barn side of things. Um what I do here is more like the day-to-day, um, making sure um, hay and grain and shavings and all that stuff is ordered. And um, I have another girl in the office here that does our bookkeeping and all our stallion contracts and all the the um, breeding day stuff, like, you know, takes orders for semen and all that. And then so my other side of it is doing all of the sales and promotion and sale pictures and the website and all of our social media and everything. So um, it's it's a lot, but it's fun. Yeah, no, it's an operation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we have, I think, like over 30 stallions between the two locations. So um, we we stand eight here in Oklahoma, but then our main focus, aside from the stallions that are here, is that we have the majority of our brood mares and reset mares here. So we have, oh, close to 400 horses on the property, I think, right now. Holy cow. So it's, yeah, we've, it's never ending. And it's just every time you think you have a, a moment of peace, it, it turns itself around into something not peaceful. But that's well, just yeah, horses. I mean, horses. <laughs> yeah, I think if you just have two horses, that's the case too. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like grown children. Yeah. Oh, I think they're just <laughs> on set on self-destruct all the time. Yeah. So, well, that kind of leads me to, um, so how did you even get into the horse industry? I mean, did you grow up around them and show your whole life or did you just randomly? Well, so I'm originally from Pennsylvania and I, um, as a kid was just one of those horse crazy girls that wanted to ride and, I finally talked my parents into it. My mom finally, I believe when I was like 11 or somewhere around there, she kindly finally caved and got me like three riding lessons at a little local stable. And it just never ended. I think after that, I pretty much like just worked my lessons off (laughs) forever. And um, the little barn was called Timberland Acres. And those people became like my second family. And I feel like, if I hadn't started in that kind of a program, I probably yeah. wouldn't have gone on because even though they were a small scale operation, they were 
horsemanship first. You know, like they taught me the right way to do things. And if you didn't do it right, you never wanted to do it wrong again. Like, you know, they were really strict, but also very good at teaching the right way to do things. I still think, you know, now at 40, I still think of the things that they taught me on a daily basis, just, just doing everyday horse stuff, you know? Um, yeah. And so I did that and just showed little shows like 4-H and weekend shows as a, you know, like a teenager and stuff. And then, um, went to school and while I was kind of in school, I did, I worked part-time jobs, do, you know, just doing barn stuff, working at, you know, cleaning stalls. I, anywhere I could go to just do horse stuff was what I did. And then, um, after that, I ran boarding barns for probably close to 10 years. I ran like some just strictly boarding and oh, you've seen um, it all. <laughs> oh yeah. And then, um, and then I worked for some trainers and then went around, I moved to North Carolina in 2006. You lived in my state. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I lived there for four. Well, it was on and off, back and forth. I did a lot of bouncing around in my 20s. So I went from, um, That's I read a boarding card. Yeah. And then I did, um, that was when I first really decided I wanted to focus on the Rainers. And so I worked for Brian Bell there in North Carolina and, um, Francois Gautier for a little while and then, um, moved out here to Oklahoma and worked for Jody Brainerd for, oh, like three years, I think, before I moved back to North Carolina <laughs> and then, um, worked for Mike McIntyre for another three years or so, um, before I kind of just branched off and went and helped Matt, you know, so Matt and I have known each other forever and ever. And, um, finally, I think in 2012, I think the end of 2012, I moved to where he was training in Kentucky and um, just kind of took over helping him with his side of things. And um, then you well, ended up in Oklahoma. We ended up in Oklahoma. It's just, it sounds like a crazy, <laughs> crazy journey. But no, we both it's really cool. Yeah, well, yeah we both ended up here. Yeah, well, and we both liked it out here. You know, this is where most of our horse shows are. This is where a lot of the business is, you know, when mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, it's where people come to, mm -hmm. you know, look for reining horses and, um, and we liked it out here just in general. And so, um, we're here in Purcell. Our, we bought a little place around the corner from Silver Spurs in, uh, 2015, I believe. And so then I started working part time when it was still extra quarter horses and, um, kind of just started out doing social media and, um, helping with their sales stuff. And then it kind of just spiraled into taking over a lot more. And <laughs> over the years, I think it's just, just become pretty much my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, horses in general, 24 seven, you know, yeah. and social yeah. media. Is and I, you have, you have to have that kind of mentality in order to do it well, because you have to, you have to be able to set everything else aside for the most part at any given time. So um, that kind of just, it's my personality, I guess. Well, the fact that you kind of grew up around that whole 4-H area and that type of, because, you know, it's intimidating for somebody that, you know, wants to just say, hey, I want to ride horses and go straight into right. like a show atmosphere or a really right. big, you know, I think it's cool to kind of come from that type of area and grow up in it because I agree with what you said. It, it, it just changes the way you think about it. It's like a good foundation. Yes, and you learn, and I mean, I find myself saying that all the time nowadays is like, 
expected and needed 4-H. You know, like you see them, you see people doing things and you're like, who taught you how to do that? Who taught you how to put that halter on? You know? Yeah. And I'm, I was just taught in such a particular way. Um, that to me, there, when you do it wrong, it's like, what were, why are you doing it that way? Like, yeah. How are you, how are you doing horses and no one taught you that that's wrong? <laughs> right. But, and it's, well, it seems like such basic info. Yeah. But it's really not yeah. basic. It's like, <laughs> no, it's, yeah. If you take you know, for granted when you had a good teacher like I did, you take for granted that people don't all get that, you know, so, um, there's a lot of people that do this day in and day out and, and, still don't necessarily have all the same um, foundation as what I grew up with. So I, I really do appreciate having that. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, I did 4-H. I totally agree with you. It's mm-hmm. aspects of it that would help people tremendously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now, do you show or do you, you're so busy, do you ever get to show? Because I know, oh, well, like you said. I try. <laughs> I try. My horse that I have now is retired. So he's kind of just on a little vacation and I haven't had the time or really the the funding to go to go find another one. I'm just like limited non pro, so um it's hard for me to to I mean with the way that the industry is right now, it's just I mean, even just the limited non pro weekend horse is pretty pricey these days. So um yeah, the price of horses is high. Yeah. Which is great from other aspects of my yeah, my job, you know, it's great. But um for me personally it's a little tough to find one that would work for me and um you know, and, and be in my budget. But I'm I'm kinda always looking, so you know, maybe I I have a yearling coming two year old now, so um maybe he'll be a project I might just have to create one down that he'll be ready ready by the time he's broke for me to show so you'll probably um, just run across something that'll just hit you and you'll be like you know what that's it like perfect I time hope so. place. <laughs> I hope so well it could probably get I guess I don't want to say old because you know if people do it for a living they do it for a living mm-hmm. but it can get old sometimes going to show and do the same thing over and over so it's nice to get a break every now and then and then go back yeah, in it, you know I always feel like I say that, like, it's okay, well, after this show, we'll have some downtime. But then I just never end up having any downtime. <laughs> just so even oh. going on to the next thing. I, I say it every, I don't know how I haven't learned to just stop saying it. But, you know, after the fraternity, I say, okay, we're, you know, we're done with sales for the year. And now we'll slow down. And then it's, you know, time to get yearlings started and, you know, get, you know, a new batch of horses come in the barn. And then, uh, then breeding season starts and then foaling season gets going. and. <laughs> Your hands are in a lot of aspects of that, like as far as, you know, Silver Spurs production, the whole operation, like your hands are in pretty much a little bit of all of it. Everything, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, there's, it's, we're not a real big team. I mean, it's, it's a big operation, but it's kind of a tight-knit group. And so we kind of all have to pay attention to a little bit of everything and rely on each other that way too. You know, it's not just, oh, that's so-and-so's job. You know, we all kind of help out whenever we need to and, um, and you know, and it's hard to find good help too. So, I mean, we always, yeah. that's just a constant struggle in the horse industry, <laughs> finding someone yeah. that you trust to just take over a project or something without, you know, having to hover over them. So, um, that's just part of the day to day. And then having this, just the staff in general here just to make this place go is, you know, that, that just ha- overseeing staff is a job in itself. So that's, <laughs> That's yeah, I can imagine dealing with that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it just never, never really seems like it slows down, even though I trick myself into thinking it might. Um, 
some moments. Well, it's a good thing that you guys are like that, though, as far as, you know, being able to work together. And it's not just yeah. like, okay, this is a no, job. Everyone, yeah, we, everyone gets along and everyone's kind of responsible for themselves and, and you know, takes what they do seriously and takes pride in their work. So that goes a long way because that's not really something you can teach everybody. So I think that's pretty important for a team to have. Yeah, yeah, trust is, I mean, trust costs a lot of money. <laughs> it costs yeah. a lot to earn it. And yeah, get it, get yeah, it, so. yeah, for sure, for sure. And like with Silver Spurs, you know, it's we're constantly kind of trying to stay in the mix with things because we we are now focused more on just, you know, solely the breeding and sales part of it. We don't have a training operation. Um, we do have a trainer that works out of our facility in Oklahoma, but he does his own deal. So um, we're really just focused on promoting the stallions and the offspring and getting people to come and, and buy ones from us and then go, you know, go do good things so that we can follow their career. Um, that's why, and, you know, Silver Spurs always kind of tries to be a little bit unique that way where we try to make things affordable and give people a lot of options. So we are expecting, I think, like 120 babies next season. So, um, holy cow. I think it's 30 studs. That's a yes, lot. And, yes. And so we try to make it where there's something for everyone's budget, too. Of course, we have you know, our high-end, you know, mares that have produced quite a bit, and then we have, you know, the best studs that are really marketable, but then we also have some junior stallions coming up, or some that are just on their first or second full crop, and, you know, and maybe a mare that is bred well, but didn't have a show career yet, or didn't, hasn't produced anything yet, so we kind of try to be both ends of the spectrum, like if you're on the on the lower end budget, you can still come find something that's going to work for you, and work for what your program is, so um, that's kind of what we're really big picture trying to do. And then um, Michael and Michelle Maiola have come up with their incentive payout, which is um, this is the first year we're doing it this way, where they're going to, it used to be, you know, they kind of did a spinoff of what Extra Quarter Horse's original incentive was, where it paid down in just the level four finals of the open and the non-pro security. And now the new program is that we will match, I believe it was the 2021 ballpark of the 2021 championship payout. We're going to match, and I think we have all the numbers on our website because um, I think we rounded up or something because the you know, numbers were a little tricky. Um, for all of the champions of every level of all open and non-pro maturity at, you know, in Oklahoma City, and then they even expanded it to the Derby this year and into Europe because we have a lot of customers that breed with us in Europe as well. So we did also several events there and already this year we That's very interesting. Yeah, well and we and we do it just I mean we there's no enrollment, there's no stallion nominations for people, there's no full you know, nominations, there's no extra entry fee. Your horse is just automatically in it if it's by one of our studs. Um and then I just follow everybody, you know, so I just kind of pay attention to who's in, you know, in the shows and everything and, and uh, what, you know, what offspring are actually, you know, contenders for that. So we already paid out, I think, 75000 this year at the Derby, 
And I think between two events in Europe so far, we've already paid another 13,000 euros. So um, it's already kind of taking off, and it's kind of fun to see because people don't have to do anything. They just have to go show their horse. So, well, I'm a little, I'm a little dumb when it comes to this whole incentive ordeal. I see it all the time. I, I mm-hmm. see it on Facebook. I see all the time. Everybody, but not just rainers, barrel racers, all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. studs and incentives and, and everything. In layman's terms, basically, it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in layman's terms, it's basically mm-hmm. you are giving your buyers or your customers extra money if they buy from you when they achieve these certain things, right? Right. And in our case, they don't even have to buy it from us, but if it's just sired by one of our stallions, it's also included, um, you know, because we have, you know, just the breeding aspect of things too. So, I mean, we want to reward people for just believing in the stallion or just believing in their own mare or stallion or that kind of thing. So, right. Um, okay. Yeah, basically, it's just extra money because your horse is sired by that stallion. So, um, if you win at any of those levels, you know, you're, you have a chance to double your money, basically. So, right. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. and now with these payouts that have been so huge in the reigning, um, I think that the, you know, it's an even bigger splash. You know, the security, open security will pay 350000 so we'll match that. So that's holy cow! A pretty big paycheck for one one horse show. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely a return on the investment for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now shipping to Europe. Now you just caught my eye there for a minute. So you guys, I mean, obviously, seem as not that. I mean, that's easily shipped and stuff. But do you have customers that come from Europe and then you have to ship horses and or fly them or whatever have you? Well, so we actually don't handle that aspect of it. We use, you know, we have several other export companies that we've worked with uh-huh. quite a bit. And so in, generally, I might give someone some contacts and stuff of people I've worked with that specialize in that. Because when a horse needs to get exported to Europe and, and that kind of thing, there's a quarantine protocol. And we're not set up for that. So um, normally, I just kind of send the horse in them too. Mm-hmm. That place, yeah, and, we, and then they would handle it. And yep, yep, they do that quite a bit, actually. Yeah, we've had a lot of of um, people from Europe and um, Brazil and that kind of thing that have bought horses and and exported them. So um, it's getting really big everywhere. Yeah, no, that's so cool mm-hmm. to me because I mean, mm-hmm. you know, even though you know, you know, it happens, you know, it exists and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But to just hear somebody talk about it, it's just kind of like you know, yeah. it's very interesting because you don't think, okay, well, you can't necessarily transport an animal like that, but they do it all the time. Right. Well, and we have um, agents that manage frozen semen for us in um, several other countries. So we have, um, we have some agents in Italy, in Germany, um, in Belgium, and then we have some other agents that are specifically, you know, in charge of, we have in, in their you know, their breeding sales for silver spurs in Mexico and Brazil and also Australia. So um, every year, you know, after every breeding season, we regroup with those agents and, you know, we kind of take an inventory and we ship frozen semen. You know, they kind of have a an idea of what what kind of inventory they need to sell. And then, you know, we we work with them on in, in a lot of different places and, and it's getting more and more popular in in all of those areas actually 
Do you think raining has drastically just grown over the years since you've been in it? Has it gone, I mean, have you just seen it just gradually kind of grow, or do you think it spiked over the last couple of years? I mean, I've seen it growing, of course, over, you know, the last several decades, but for sure, I mean, the, the last four or five years that we've had, you know, all this, you know, mainstream exposure, has, yeah. I mean, for sure it's grown um, immensely, and just, just the amount of awards and prize money that's being, you know, put into these events is just, I mean, that's just a whole other level of drawing people in, you know, and, and, and keeping the people yeah, that are, they're are in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, and it's a, it's a big spotlight on, you know, not just our sport, but like the Western lifestyle, I think is kind of the draw, you know, it seems like that's kind of um, trending right now. So um, I think it's all good. Um, I think we, you know, the people that are really in it to do it for a living are going to be able to keep their focus, you know, focus on the horses. And um, if it changes, I think we'll be able to go with it either way. I don't think it's going to change. I don't think it's going to go, you know, too far down. I mean, the economy is the economy. You can't. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And and you can't predict it, but you can kind of keep track. So I think right. um, it doesn't, you know, it, there's not a, a whole lot of surprises in when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah. That's crazy to me. I definitely agree, though, that Yellowstone has had a huge impact on, I mean, all types yeah. of. Yeah, all just of in general. I mean, in, all of it. yeah, there was, a, there was somebody, I was, I was in, like, a drive-thru to get, like, a drink or something in Norman here, and I had a, in my NRHA jacket on, and just that's all it had was the NRHA logo, and this little 15-year-old girl that was working at the little drive-thru window asked if I if I had rating horses and if I worked for rating horses and stuff and you know I thought you know yeah we have rating horses and and she said my family and I we watched the the last cowboy every week and she said we don't even know what's going on but we watched it every week <laughs> she loved it and I mean she didn't even know what raining was and she saw my jacket and was so excited it was, I mean it's almost like become like a celebrity thing like if you have anything to do with raining horses there's so many new people that they're starstruck by it. Well, it's cool because I think, I mean, and you might can agree with this, what, what I'm trying to say. You know, it's cool to be able to, for the Western industry or horses mm-hmm. in general, to be able to reach people that are non-horse people. I mean, you're either yeah. a horse person or you're not. And it's cool right. to be able to reach out there and introduce it to people, you know, and it could grow the industry even more. Because, mm-hmm. you know, horse yep. people have a tendency to be real kind of, I don't, I don't know the right word to say, closed off per se, or real judgmental, yep. or real very, Clicky. it's hard yep. for somebody new to get in it. Yeah, yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, because we can have it's giving some critical. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, and I think it, it's just giving a whole new outlook of, you know, opportunities to some, you know, looking for that new, you know, new involvement. So I think, I think that's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool, but you are right. It is kind of a starstruck thing because the whole, I think, one show, I don't remember what show it was, um, or some big show that was going on. They had Best Dutt in there, Rip was there and stuff, and it was mm-hmm. a big ordeal. Yeah they're, yeah, they're bringing them to this. Yeah, they're kind of making appearances and that kind of thing. And it's just drawing a lot of attention. Yeah, these shows have been, like, sold out. I mean, like, yeah. people coming to watch. Yes. Yeah, Almost like football it's, games. Yeah, yeah, it's become quite a spectator thing even even if you don't even really know the logistics 
and the fundamentals of the sport, you, it's still exciting. You know, yeah. what the horses are doing is always still exciting for people that don't even know. You know, it's it's just such a dynamic sport. So it's kind of kind of. I think it's a meme I saw that said, you know, what was it? It said something like, "Now the weird." quiet shy horse girls are the cool girls now or yeah something. yeah it's crazy <laughs> it's like yeah oh my goodness. yeah these horse girls now you know now it's it's not a bad thing anymore i guess right yeah it's not a bad thing anymore yeah. it's, we're actually kind of cool i guess yeah um, i was going to ask you something else um as far as studs i mean obviously you're around a massive amount of studs what do you think is you know, a key factor when it comes to picking a stud, besides just price range or that uh-huh. type of ordeal. But right. what are some of the things that you think are good to look for when you're when you're picking a stud if you're, you know, shopping like that? Okay, well, I think, really, I think that's it's kind of different for everyone. Um, first of all, I would always say, what is your, what's your goal for the fall? So do you, are you, is it something you want to ride yourself and show is it going to be a non-pro horse or is it going to be a prospect that you're going to try to market to you know to an outside customer and try to sell it and you know make your money back or promote your program or your you know your mayor um that has a lot to to do with you know i mean what's trending you know there's a lot of a lot of people specifically will call me looking for something with a bald face and blue eyes you know you know if you want to market it to that, you know, that client, you might want to breed to a horse that's going to throw some chrome and throw some color and, and stuff like that. Um, but overall, when people ask me that, my first question is what would they say their mare's strengths and weaknesses are? So every, you know, most people are not going to say, oh, they're perfect. You know, my, my mare's perfect. They usually have something that they say, well, she does, she's really good at this, but I wish she was a little more like this. And then that helps me kind of tell, tell them which way I would, I would lean. You know, um, do you want something that has a little bit more gas in the tank? Is your horse really lazy or is it the other way around and they're a little bit hot? And, you know, would you want to quiet them down a little bit? So um, I think it's, it just really depends on your mare for the most part. I mean, um, I want to compliment. Her. Yeah, you want to compliment your mare and, and build on what she is, you know, great at and maybe improve on what she's not great at or, you know, what some of the weaknesses. If she's finer bone, you might want to breed to a stud that has a lot more, you know, strength in their bones and that kind of thing and kind of try to balance that out. And, um, of course, overall, you want to compliment, you know, confirmation. You want them to be able to be built, do their job. So, um that's something to te- you know take into consideration no matter what. But somebody, I can say, all right, well, what are you looking for? I've got thirty options here. Let me let me tell you which one might be your best bet. You know, um, and studs are the same. They have strengths and weaknesses as well. So um, you know, you, you can always kind of find the right mix that way. Yeah, no, that's really nice as far as a, a consumer standpoint is concerned. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you can literally yeah. kind of put together whatever they're they're yeah. looking for. Yeah, and we've had so many that I can tell you what's worked in the past or what maybe hasn't worked in the past and um, and kind of help them that way, too. So um, I just follow it so much. You know, I I mean, I feel like I eat, sleep, and breathe reigning 
statistics. So it's kind well, of like, you do <laughs> you do every aspect of it. I mean, mm-hmm. you do a show aspect of it, a breeding mm-hmm. aspect of it, a training aspect of it. I mean, yeah. like you're sitting in a good spot to be able mm-hmm. to be the person to call. I mean, if I wanted to get in range horses, I'd be like, yep. this girl's going to know <laughs> what she's talking about. I, have, I do tend to have a lot of uh, different angles that I can can kind of bounce off ideas. Uh, I mean, of, of course, the big the big breeding operation. Um, but, you know, I see all so many aspects. I ha- deal with a lot of new people coming in. I deal with a lot of people that are just getting showing, you know, with the um, Oklahoma raining. I, there's a lot of newbies that are getting in and just doing the Green Rainer and stuff, and, and they're just learning the ins and outs of the horse show world. And um, we have, like I said, we have a level four open trainer that's working here out of our facility at Silver Spurs. So, you know, that comes with a high caliber of clients and a high caliber of horse and, you know, gone all the time to all sorts of different big events. But then my husband, you know, is, you know, a smaller scale operation. We only have about a dozen horses in training at any given time. And his dad is a two-time security champion that is in the Hall of Fame, you know. So it's kind of like to say, he's born into it. Yeah, I mean, it's all aspects. I mean, from from the guys that have been doing it for, you know, decades and decades to the new ones to some that are wanting to have, you know, 60 horses in training to some that want to focus on a certain aspect of it. And it, it's, I get to see pretty much every every single angle. Now, how long has the Oklahoma um, training horses, how long have you guys been doing that? So the... Um, the show that we do in March, what has been, it's been an okra show for, for a really long time, but it wasn't until, I want to say 2016 was the first year that they really kind of amped it up and they, they took on a bigger event and added, uh, aged event, you know, added the derby and got, you know, a lot of sponsors on board and added, um, you know, bigger money and that kind of thing. And that first year was a learning curve. They kind of got bombarded because they, it was such a great time to do a horse show and a great facility there at Tulsa. And, um, so ever since then, it's been just evolving. Yeah, I've delivered to it before. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've had you do lots of things for us and they just, it's such a great, like a, a great place to go show, you know, your horse. And now it's even, gotten even bigger for us because it's kind of a good preparation show for the NRBC, which now moved to the same facility, which is like a month after. So um, everyone that already was, you know, planning on coming, now maybe they're bringing more horses or they're, you know, bringing different customers or, you know, that kind of thing. So um, it's become a pretty fun show, but we also try to not, I mean, it's a small group of us that really put it on. So we try to not make it overwhelmingly you know, extra things, you know, it's still really focused on the horse show, you know, so still really focused on just putting on the horse show, you know, black and white. And so we don't, you know, have a huge staff to, you know, do a million other little activities throughout. So we kind of just keep it simple. And we know that in the early March, you're still just getting rolling with your horse show season. So that's pretty much everyone's priority. And we've kind of just Taken that, you know, taken that aspect of it and and focused on that. So so far so good, and it's it's been a a fun show. 
Well, it's a, I mean, it's a good environment, you know, our event to, like what yeah. you just said, people can come and kind of just get ready for this next big show, or they can go and they can treat it like a big show, or they can go and right. treat it with exactly. yeah. and treat it. Yep, and there's money, you know, so it's not like it's yeah. for no reason. If you want to go ahead and, and test your horse out, you know, you have a good chance at winning a pretty good paycheck. It's not like it's an, it's not um, a frivolous show, but it's also yeah, no. uh-huh. low pressure, you know, so. It's kind of a fun dynamic, I think. And then we did add, you know, we added the novice horse division for the Derby, and then we added a four-year-old deal last year for the first year, and um, and that was a really good class. So, and that's another, you know, if you have a four-year-old that you didn't really get to show as a three-year-old, you know, March might be a good time to to kind of see where you're at with them. So, um, it's it's been pretty good so far. So we're hoping to kind of keep it rolling. Well, that's cool, and it's it's cool that it's close close to home too, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it, when I lived in North Carolina, it was like every horse show was like twenty four hour drive every single time, and now it's like you drove two hours. Yeah, yeah, two hours to Tulsa, and now it's like that. That seems like a lifetime for me. <laughs> I never have to go much further than Oklahoma City. So, <laughs> well, that's yeah. not. I mean, you got to go. I mean, if you want to be with lions, you got to go where the lions are. I mean, you know. Yep. Yeah, from so, from from uh, the whole time I was there in North Carolina, it was it was a, a long drive almost every, unless you were going to the one that was pretty local there, you were driving for a whole day. So it was kind of you just got to get it in the right mental state for that. So yeah. Um, now what uh, I was also going to ask you what what would you like to see change in the industry? What are some things that you think? should change, you know, kind of throughout everything or things that you like specifically about, you know, being in the reining industry compared to other parts of the horse world? Well, I think the reining itself is really kind of a unique industry and a a unique division of the horse industry. It's, I mean, it's such a hard sport. It's so hard. It doesn't matter if you are the best of the best or you're just getting started, something can go wrong or something can go great. I mean, and it's just, we have such a good judging system and, you know, that it's, there's no question most of the time. I mean, you know, in, in general, there's no question on whether it was a good run or not a good run. So there's, there's that decisiveness about it that, you know, you come out and you pretty much know if you did a good job or you didn't do a good job. And, um, there's so much detail to it that um, just the smallest thing can can really help you out, or it can you know it can hurt your run. So it's just such a challenge. I think people I and the people that, mm-hmm, the that, people that get into it. Them. Well, in the judging system itself, just the scale, you know, just the you know the plusing maneuvers and minusing maneuvers plus all the penalties. It's such a a learning you know, a learning curve for people getting into it because it's, you know, it's, it's pretty black and white. Of course, there's, you know, there's a little bit of opinions, you know, which is, you know, that's horse showing. But right. for the most part, if you watch someone go stop a plus one, there's going to be 10 other people that say, yes, that was a plus one. You know, you're, it's not a lot of question about it. So, um, I, I think that's, thing, though. I, I think that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. I think it's amazing. And we, that's, I think a really good part about our sport is that, you know, you you know what you know what the goal is, but it's so hard to make it happen. You know, and and um and that just makes people want to come back for more because you just always feel like you can always improve. You know, 
Um, and people like myself are kind of, you know, a little bit that way anyway. You know, I'm a little bit of a control freak and I'm a little bit um, of a perfectionist. So that kind of dynamic really works for me to want to do better and want to learn how to do better every time. So right. um, I think that the reigning, the sport of reigning is, is really special that way because even the people that you see that have been doing it forever always feel like they could have done a little bit better and they could get better tomorrow or they can learn their horse different or they can prepare different. So um, I really like that part of it. And like I said, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. So, um, well, it, well, the, you just said it was black and white too. I mean, mm -hmm. if you, if you take that aspect of showing horses, I would rather know exactly what I'm mm -hmm. getting into. Like, like mm -hmm. if you already know this is wrong, this is right, go for right. it instead of something like, um, you know, pleasure. You're literally being just like you really don't even know if they're going to like you or not. Like, right, right. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's only so much you can do, and they're, right. they may have already made their mind up. Yeah, yep. So that's yeah. cool to be able to kind of know exactly what is expected and not expected, mm -hmm. and then you can go home with something like what you just said. You can go home mm -hmm. and, and go, okay, well, you we can, need to you do can this. fix it. Yeah, work on it. Right. And, yep. Mm -hmm. And and do better next time, and and you might do better on that next time and screw something else up. So that's just kind of how it goes. But I, but I always I, thought it was so cool to see the dirt flying. Like, I just always thought mm -hmm. that was the coolest thing when mm -hmm. I was younger watching Rainers. Like, mm -hmm. and I sit there thinking to myself, how do they do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and now, I mean, the horses are bred so refined and so just meant to do that job. It's like, but I mean, I even see now, like, when horses only have a handful of rides on them, you can tell already that they're made to do their job. Like, they're, it's so natural for them anymore. So it's it's that's really helped our sport so much is being able to breed horses to do the job that they're meant to do is I mean, you can't you can't beat that. You know, that when they when they're born and they look like a horse that can already go slide and stop, you know, that's just you know, the icing on the cake. Right. Well, I think a lot of people if you're not in the industry, if you're not, or if you're new to it, how mm -hmm. serious the statement is that you mm -hmm. you do essentially ride papers. I mean, like when you mm -hmm. go in, you want to get something that's actually bred to do the sport that you're wanting to do, and it makes right. a big difference. I mean, that's not to say you can't, you know, go get a horse that isn't necessarily brain, you know, bred, sorry, bred to do reining mm -hmm. and not succeed with it, but it gives oh, you yeah, a there's, lot there's always a special one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, like, and... Of course, just anymore, just being in the business. I mean, the marketability of them, you know, is a drastic difference. But yes, there's for sure so many horses that are maybe off the beaten path paper-wise, and they can still go compete. But anymore, it's it's so, you know, few and far between. Um, right. It's just, I mean, when some I've watched so many like open finals, you might, you know, say there's 30 horses in the finals. And there might be a mayor that has two or three of those in the finals. I mean, just a mayor, not just the studs. Like, any more, the, that bottom side of the papers is just, I mean, it's proof that, that that's what works, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's, you don't, you know, rarely see a finals at a major event where there's not just some of those big name mayors. That they, they're just consistent producers. And, um, you know, it just speaks for itself. I think, uh, and I don't know if you agree or not with me, I think the um, 
I don't know the right word I'm trying to say, but the mayor's side of it is becoming more and more. I think people are becoming more and more aware mm-hmm. of how important that side is now over the past maybe four or five years compared to 15, 20 years ago. I don't want to say mayors weren't necessarily important, but they're becoming more. People are realizing yeah. how important they are more now. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. That and, that, well, and, and the fact just the breeding, being able to have more every year is, I think, leading people to see the product, you know, it's not like, you know, 20 years ago, you'd only have one a year, you know, so, right. you know, now there's so many more people flushing embryos and doing ICSI and, and getting, you know, multiple babies out of that good mare every single year. So there's more offspring out there proving it, you know, so people get on the bandwagon a lot easier because they say, hey, she had three three-year-olds this year and all three of them, you know, went and won money as a security horse. So that and and with social media and the internet and everything, I mean, everybody can find it. You can look, you can look up everything and going on NRHA's website, the new Raider Suite. You can look up offspring earnings so easily, and um, it's just become common knowledge. So you know, people are seeing that trend of that mare, you know, producing so much better than some you know something else. So. Yeah, and the, well, and the quickness of it, like you just said. Uh-huh. I mean, back in yeah. the day, you would have to wait. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. You just had to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and, now that there's just more of them, there's more out of those, and the people that have those good mares are investing in them and and making more babies. You know, so um, you just see more of it. About time these mares got some equality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Be a typical just day for you if you're just trolling into silver spurs what's the typical day of you taking oh, care of all of that 400 horses it, i didn't know yeah, you had 400 it, horses. Could, it could be literally anything like i mean it's just when you have a big operation like we do here it's i mean we always just kind of say it's one of those things where like we're not even surprised anymore you know and, and right knock on wood most of the time it's not even horse related. It's just like, you know, a, a gutter fell off of something and smashed the windshield or something, you know, like, just like the most random things. Um, but I mean, in, on a normal day, we say, um, you know, and like I said, I, I handle a different aspect of it than everybody else. Luckily, I don't know how I played my cards right, but I don't have to be outside like I used to be all the time, every day. I always you put in your time a long time yes. ago. Yes, especially growing up in Pennsylvania. I did my winters in, in, in outside, you know. And um, so I'm in the office and in the barns quite a bit. Um, I kind of, you know, make a few laps every day, make sure that, you know, I don't see anything jump out at me that is, you know, needs repaired or fixed or addressed. Um, and luckily, I've got it. Like I said, a, a good team that every there's so many eyes all around the place that can say, you know, hey, this needs done, or hey, so and so mentioned this horse, you know, did this, or you know, and I, it's you know more of a get here and then react to whatever we walked into that day kind of thing. <laughs> um, and just um, keeping it running. Yes, I mean, just every day. I mean, like I said, it could be different every day, and we always have projects. Of course, I mean, we're always doing um, some sort of improvement or repair or something. You know, adding adding pasture fence or adding you know shelters. Or I think right now our project this week is we're putting 
some new lights in the light pens for the recipient errors and um you know just it's just an ongoing thing we just pick and choose what what is a priority that week and um and then just you know business as usual and and once breeding season gets here it'll be a little more hectic right now is a little bit more conducive to us doing other projects once breeding season kicks off it's monday wednesday friday of collecting stallions and um shipping semen and then on the off days they're you know checking a hundred mares that day you know so it's just and when does breeding um, season technically start for you guys like from when to when we start in january i mean we we start checking mares and stuff but i mean breeding season would be like the first of February would be when we start shipping. Um, but even now in the off season, they're collecting studs and, and freezing semen. So just not on such a, you know, strict schedule, but yeah. Um, but but yeah, in preparation. We, yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, when in the off season, we'll freeze semen. So we have, you know, have some stored, but, uh, but yeah, once that gets going, it'll, it'll get a little hectic around here, but and well, it's not like y'all. I mean, y'all don't have 400 stalls for all of these horses. Like, no, you know, no. You have I mean, have, yeah, they're outside. Yeah, I mean, the majority of our mares and babies are outside most of the time. Um, they we have, I think, I want to say about 200 stalls here. Um, and you know, we that includes you know we have a the main show barn that's and the show barn, and then we have another annex barn that is basically training horses for um, the trainer that's here, and right. then. We have two good-sized mare motels that have big falling stalls and, you know, a lab and that kind of thing. So that's where most of that happens down there. Um, but for the most part, you know, they, they're outside a lot. So. Yeah. Well, that's cool because, you know, some people have mm-hmm. this, you know, they may assume that it's, you know, they're not necessarily outside all the time or whatever and how mm-hmm. the things work. And it's probably a big schedule to handle that many animals and switch them out and turn around and do this and do that, feeding schedules yep. and things like yep. that. That's a lot. Yep, and they're all on. We have a, a really good um, system that keeps records of everything. You know, when they check mares, they put everything into the system and then they get you know, set into the system for the next time they're due to be checked and everything. So each day of, you know, you can print off or, you know, or pull up on the system what what needs to be done that day, what was on the schedule for that day. And you could have put it in two weeks ago or two days ago, and it'll come up with everybody that needed to be checked that day kind of thing. So um, that that's so cool. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's called Wise Option, and we use that, and it does, I mean, it, it helps put semen orders in. It helps. It organizes all of that. It keeps all the horse records. It does all our billing. So um, that in itself is kind of a lifesaver for our for our business here. Yeah, no, and that's really cool to be able, I mean, obviously, you know, for common sense reasons to keep it all together. But, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to just go in there and check that kind of stuff and keep everything mm-hmm. on a schedule for each horse and this and that. And mm-hmm. da, 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 da. I mean, it's a production. It's a mm-hmm. big operation. Yep, and it's all in the cloud, so, like, you can access the system from anywhere here on the ranch, you know, so you can log on and and keep up with what everybody else is doing, even if they're in a different building, you know, so um, that that's really, like... Now, a, y'all don't have to ever transport between Scottsdale and Purcell, right? Um, well, so we do. I mean, we do... Uh, they sent a lot of all their weanlings, once they are weaned and, you know kind of been weaned for a few weeks and stuff, they send them all here to us. So everybody comes to Oklahoma 
to do any like prospect shopping. Um, they they do better growing up here in the pasture, and you know, and, and it's more right. centralized, locate you know, location wise. So um, we just get more traffic for that. And um, and same thing if we're going to breed, um, we have the majority of the brood mares are here, but the majority of the stallions are in Arizona. So um, we ship feed in both directions, you know, every collection day for the most part. That's cool. Yep. And it's a lot more, I mean, it's one thing to have to handle one facility like that, but to be able to mm-hmm. do it between both of them, that's a lot. Yep. And how many horses y'all got out in Scottsdale? Um, I wouldn't say, I I'm not sure of their total number because they have, um, like I said, over like maybe about 30 studs out there. And um, they've kind of moved a lot of mares around and moved a lot here for us to kind of, like, let them have, you know, some pasture time and that kind of thing, yeah. too. So um, they have, you know, way less than we do, but they don't have as much space either. So um, right. it, just, it makes more sense for them to be here, the climate and, you know, having grass and all that kind of stuff. It's a little, a little more horse-friendly. I bet that is a climate change because I didn't even think about that. I mean, obviously it's the desert out there, but you just don't really think about it. Yep, yep. It's it's hot and it's very dry, <laughs> and there's not really much pasture. So, yeah. So that's a lot of hay, then. Yes, no kidding. So it's it's nice to have the babies here, and and you know they can go out and graze and that sort of thing. Well, I'm just thoroughly. Uh, I have just enjoyed our conversation because this has been very interesting to not know kind of, I mean, you know, I see the social media posts, you see the studs, you see the babies and all this kind of stuff, but, you know, it's cool to be able to get like a little bit of an insight on exactly all the backdoor stuff that goes on. And, you know, it's not just a breed a horse and sell it. It's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a lot that goes into it. <laughs>